Well, I believe today's scripture in the gospel is about the sacraments. It says in the beginning of the gospel of John that the law came through Moses, but that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And we hear in today's gospel that uh, the Father is seeking those who are to worship him in spirit and in truth. So if you can kind of look at these two texts and put them together, we see spirit is synonymous with grace. So there is uh, a form and a shadow that was seen in the law, a form and a shadow that pointed towards certain realities that were yet to come. Those realities were to bring grace up in and of themselves. And that's what Jesus Christ came to do. He came to bring us the realities of what the Old Testament forms and shadows actually pointed towards. Uh, those realities are found in the sacraments. So today I'd like to just do a reflection here on baptism and especially though the Eucharist. Uh, and it's helpful to just hone in on one saying, the, our prayer reflection, that the Father seeks those to worship him in spirit and in truth. And uh, and what, is, what does this mean? Well, it's helpful to put things in context, okay? So Jesus and this woman, the Samaritan woman, are in the village of Sychar. It's a, a real place. Archaeologists know exactly where it is in the, in the Holy Land. And it's right at the foot of a mountain called Mount Gerizim. It's a very important Old Testament uh, mountain that figures in the Old Testament for various reasons. But in any event, this mountain was sacred to the Samaritans. The Samaritans were uh, an ethnic and a religious group. that was, They were very close to the Jews, but they weren't identical. Uh, their origins are kind of mysterious, but in any event, there was a kind of a rivalry between these two groups, between the Jews and the Samaritans. And uh, Mount Gerizim was the holy mountain for the Samaritans. And in fact, hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, they had built a temple on it. So there was a Samaritan temple on Mount Gerizim. Now, the Jews actually, in about 100 B.C., tore it down. <laughs> okay, so there's this conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans. So the Jews actually tore it down, but the Samaritans continued to offer sacrifice on the mountain. So keep that in mind, the concept of sacrifice. That's, that's really the backdrop of what Jesus is speaking about when he talks about worshipers and worship in spirit and in truth. So they go on in their conversation and they actually talk about this conflict or, or this controversy between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Samaritans say that sacrifice should only be offered on Mount Gerizim. The Jews say sacrifice should only be offered in Jerusalem, the temple in Jerusalem. So this is what the Samaritan woman is talking about when she's talking about worship. It's not about prayer in general, because both Samaritans and Jews, they pray wherever they found themselves. And in fact, there were Jewish synagogues and there were Samaritan synagogues all throughout the Holy Land and even outside the, the bounds of the Holy Land. So the issue is not prayer in general. The issue is sacrifice. So this is the kind of worship that the Samaritan woman is speaking about. And when Christ responds to her inquiry, he's then speaking about sacrifice. This new worship that's going to come and make the dispute between the Jews and the Samaritans a moot point is a, a type of sacrificial worship. It's a new sacrifice that's going to be put into place. And it's characterized by, by three things. First of all, it's not limited geographically. So it's not limited to Mount Gerizim. It's not limited to um, <clears throat> Jerusalem. 
It could be in uh, a sacrifice that's offered in Paris, France, or Beijing, China, or Clyde, New York. Okay, it's it's not limited to one particular place. The other element of this sacrifice is that it has to do with truth. So as I begin this homily, the Old Testament sacrifices were just shadows or images or symbols. They did not contain the truth of what they signified. In contrast to those sacrifices, this new sacrifice that Jesus is going to come and, and institute, it's going to contain the truth. It's going to contain reality, not just symbol. Okay? And then the third element of this sacrifice is that it's going to have to do with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So, the Old Testament sacrifices, they were just dealt with dead animals. Okay? There wasn't any, any life. The life of the Holy Spirit wasn't in them. But in contrast to those dead animal sacrifices, there's going to be a living and new sacrifice that imparts the life of grace, the life of the Holy Spirit. What might this sacrifice be but the Holy Eucharist, the sacrifice of the Mass? This is what Jesus is speaking about when he talks about a new worship in spirit and in truth. And uh, so if we can kind of dig into this a little bit deeper, um, this element that the, the sacrifice being spoken of is not limited to a particular geographical locale is a fulfillment of an amazingly powerful prophecy in the Old Testament from the prophet Malachi. Malachi says... You know, the context is um, the Old Testament priests are not fulfilling their ministry and their, and their ministry of sacrifice in a very uh, uh, noble or respectful manner. And God, through the prophet, is very upset with these priests. And he says, you know, I've had enough, essentially, of your sacrifices. There is going to come a new sacrifice, a pure sacrifice, that will be offered from the rising of the sun to its setting. And it's going to be uh, something that glorifies me. So it's a prophecy that Malachi put forth hundreds of years before the Eucharist. Uh, and it's fulfilled in the Eucharist from the rising of the sun to its setting. A pure sacrifice is offered, not be because it's no longer uh, dead animals, but it is the pure and holy Jesus Christ himself, present in the Eucharist. And so uh, it, it can't but be pure and pleasing to God and able to give glory, infinite glory to the Father. Uh, so that's, that's the whole universality of the, of the Eucharist. What about the fact that uh, it has to do with the truth? Well, again, we have got all of these shadows and types in the Old Testament. They didn't have the reality of grace. So if you were to offer... A bull or a calf or a sheep in the Old Testament, um, and you were to receive grace, it would be simply by virtue of the fact that you had faith. Okay? But in the New Testament, the sacraments give grace in and of themselves, regardless of whether or not the person administering them or receiving them has faith. Okay? So their ability to give grace is not grounded in our faith. It's actually grounded in the right itself. Now, we're not going to be able to be disposed to be open to receive the grace of that sacrament if we don't have faith, if we don't have the right dispositions, of course. 
Uh, but the point is, is that the actual ground of the grace is the rite itself. So it's not an empty symbol. The rite itself actually contains the grace, the invisible reality, uh, which it signifies. That's what the New Testament sacraments are all about. And of course, especially is that the case for the Eucharist. The Eucharist is not just uh, a channel or a conduit of grace. The Eucharist is the very source of grace itself because it is the resurrected person of Jesus Christ. No longer are we dealing with dead animals. We are dealing with Jesus alive from the dead, the source of all grace. There's a beautiful thing in our scripture today. We talk about the, the living water flowing forth. Okay, And that's, that's a whole uh, metaphor and an image for the grace that comes to us through Holy Communion and through baptism. Uh, what about the third element is that it has to do with, with grace and reality. And I kind of just touched on that. So here we have this fountain of life that's gushing forth in the sacraments. Uh, what, a, what a beautiful thing it is. Now, in our baptism, for all of us here, probably the vast majority of us here, we're fully initiated uh, Catholics. And uh, we've been baptized into the mystical body of Christ. And uh, that is uh, an amazing thing. When we assemble together here during Mass, that mystical body is being gathered together. And Jesus himself is mystically present. And we, all of us together, enter into and participate in his priesthood. So the reason why this, this worship in spirit and truth is so perfect uh, and is so pleasing and acceptable to the Father is because it's the worship of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ is the one who's really here worshiping. Isn't that an amazing thing? It is Jesus himself who is actually the true high priest in our midst every time we as baptized Christians gather together. Jesus Christ is the one who is offering the sacrifice of the Mass. And he himself is the offering itself. He himself is the sacrifice. But this sacrifice is living. And we are incorporated into this sacrifice both as priest and as offering. So I'd like my brothers and sisters a little homework here. Listen really closely to the prayers of the Eucharistic prayer when we pray. Okay, you're going to hear all of the sacrificial language. You're going to hear all of this talk about how we offer, how Christ is offered, how we are offered, how Christ is offered. All of this kind of language. It is an amazing privilege that we have as baptized Catholics. And it's a gift. It's a great gift, but it's also a task, a mission, a challenge, if you will. Jesus says, the Father seeks those who will, to, who will worship him in this manner. He seeks. It's, it reminded me of the uh, when I was growing up in the 1980s, I heard the, the old uh, Marines commercial. Uh, the Marines are looking for a few good men, you know. And uh, so, you know, Jesus is looking for a few good men and women. Okay, it's a task. It's a mission if you should so choose to receive it. So what does it require of us? Well, first of all, the Second Vatican Council used a wonderful, uh, famous phrase uh, that uh, what is required of us during the liturgy is full, conscious, active participation. That's, that's really a profound statement right there. Full, conscious, active participation. So we think of the word active. We're not to, we don't, we don't gather in the liturgy as passive spectators kind of watching what the priest does or watching what other people do and maybe judging them or whatever it might be. Okay? We gather and we are active subjects. 
we are uh, offering worship. And it's conscious. We should know what we're doing. Okay, so it's important to know that we are exercising uh, our baptismal priesthood. We are ent- we are participating in a special way in Jesus' own priesthood. As, a, as an ordained Catholic priest, I participate in Jesus' priesthood in kind of a unique way. But all of us who are baptized participate in Jesus' priesthood in their own baptismal manner, in their own unique way. That's according to the sacrament of baptism. Okay, so we're all here together as priests, really, participating in the one priesthood of Jesus Christ. That's why I say, the priest says up there, pray, my brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours would be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. Okay, we're all together. So we need to be conscious of that, that we're all here offering the sacrifice. Okay? Um, So full conscious active participation. And in doing that, we're opening our hearts to receive that grace, that living water that Jesus speaks about in the gospel, that fountain of living water that that, that shoots up to eternal life. We're, we're opening our hearts through a prayerful attitude of vigilance, an expectation to receive the Holy Spirit at Mass. And thereby, we're becoming more deeply uh, integrated. We're, more, we're, beco- we're becoming more deeply incorporated into the body of Jesus Christ. So that, now this is the second task, so that we can go outside the doors of our church building and be the body of Christ in the world. So that it's not just here that we're the body of Christ on Sundays. We're, we are the body of Christ in the world seven days a week. We are God's representative. We are priests in the world seven days a week, representing uh, the love of God for the world. The world is a broken place. There's a lot of lot of hurt people out there. And uh, we need to bring the truth and we need to, need to bring the kindness and the love of God to a world that's in sore need of it. Uh, and first and foremost, we've got to love each other. Okay, if we're at odds with each other, our witness is going to be a counter-witness to the world. We're not going to be able to be effective to the world. All right? So Jesus says, they will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. So that's the first thing. Let's be at peace with one another. And then together, individually and corporately, let's go out into the world and be the body of Christ. Uh, and thereby prove ourselves to be those whom the Father seeks. Those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Not just on Sundays, but every day of the week.